0: reading today is 2 Timothy 2 19 through 26. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will.
1: Good morning. We are still in Romans. We are cruising at light speed through it. So don't get discouraged. Takes us some time to get through Romans. We are starting off. Well, we're trying to come, well, we're still in the middle of our hypocritical sinner. Chapter 1, the end of chapter 1 talked about the wicked sinner. Beginning of chapter 2, talk about the moral sinner. The wicked sinner was one who does sinfulness openly and publicly. The moral sinner was one who sinned in his heart. Now we're talking about the hypocritical sinner, the one who says good words, but it does not connect with his heart or his obedience, his heart or his obedience. Last week, you remember we talked about what are the keys to being a better hypocritical sinner, how you can be better hypocrites. We talked about verse 18, know his will, approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law. We talked about things that you can claim to know the desires God has in this world. You can know them. You don't obey them, but you know them. You must claim to know God's superior standards for living. You know the law. You know his standards. You don't obey them, but you know them. You must claim to know how to grow in the knowledge of God. You know it, but you don't obey it. So we talked a lot about hypocrites. You need to keep a bookmarker in Romans chapter 2, and you need to have a bookmark in 2 Timothy chapters 2 and 3. Matter of fact, go there now. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he tells you how not to be a hypocrite. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he tells you what happens if you are a hypocrite. And you will notice in 2 Timothy chapter 3, a lot of the same things he talks about in Romans chapter 2. Here you go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, that'll come up again, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, by the way, If you put the principles of God's words to your heart and actions, you will have power. But a hypocrite does not have power. There's no power. Avoid such men as these. Same thing goes in Psalm chapter 50, verse 16 through 20. It says, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to tell of my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? Why do you speak these good words? For you hate discipline. You cast my words behind you. You see a thief and you are pleased with him. You associate with the adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. There is a lot the Bible talks about being a hypocrite. Guess why? Why? Because we're good at being a hypocrite. It's a lot easier to say things that deceive people rather than doing them. Now, anybody been to the French Riviera? Okay, good. French Riviera, I understand, they love balconies, okay, in the French Riviera. It is a sign of upper-class status to have a balcony at the back of your house. One of the things they do in the poor section, they paint balconies on their back wall. They go so far as to put a line from their fake balcony across the street to the other fake balcony, and they put clothes on that line. (laughs) So you think they have a balcony. So you think they are upper class. But they're not. They do not have a balcony. They pretend to have a balcony, but they do not have a balcony. What happens is people in a Christian country, in a family where they've grown up with the Bible being the rule, they do things that look like they obey, but in reality, their heart rebels and they know the words, but their heart is not in it. You ready? Oh, you thought last week stepped on your toes. ha! <laughs> you wait. Here we go. Oh, you're, you're not ready. Put your spiritual seatbelt on. Here we go. Go to Romans chapter 2. Verse 21. Verse 21. Last week, we talked about the good things hypocrites talk about. This week, we'll talk about the evil actions that hypocrites do. Verse 21. You, therefore, who teach another... Do not, you do, do not you teach yourself. Do you not teach yourself? You teach others, but you do not teach yourself. You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? Stop there. That's enough right there. First off, what does a hypocritical sinner need to change? What does a hypocritical sinner need to change? Number one. He needs to change the ability to teach the Word of God. He needs to teach the Word of God. A hypocrite will say the right words. They love teaching Sunday school. They love teaching others. And what they do is they try to put other people down and put themselves up. So they will teach, but they will not teach correctly. They will teach like a hypocrite. They'll teach like a hypocrite. Therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? The ability to teach the word of God. Therefore, the Jews are comparing themselves to the Gentiles. They're saying, we are the Jews. We have the law. We are better than the Gentiles. We teach you how to obey God. We teach you and therefore we'll go to heaven because we teach you. We, in theologically, <laughs> they teach orthodoxy, orthodoxy, correct theology. But they do not teach orthopraxy, correct behavior. They teach correct doctrine, but they do not teach correct behavior. A hypocrite cannot do correct behavior. Why? He's not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He is lost, and he needs Jesus Christ. So, you teach, but you need somebody to teach yourself. A teacher must first teach himself, especially in biblical studies. Despite all the hypocritical sinner's teaching... He leaves his own heart untaught. Now, at the bottom, I got a little box there. How do I win? In other words, how do you avoid teaching like a hypocrite? How do you avoid teaching and failing? How do you do this? Now, I know you're an above average congregation. I know that. I know you know what I'm going to teach you right now. I love teaching you new things you've never thought of, but I'm not going to get that right now. Because you know this because you all teach. Now, if you're a parent, the Bible commands you to teach your children. Now, I understand that. That goes almost without saying. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you should be teaching someone outside your family. How do you teach them? Well... 2 Timothy chapter 2 is a good chapter. It talks about teaching. In verse 2, it talks about faithful believers are able to teach. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can teach. Verse 7, God will give you understanding in some things. No, in most things. No, in all things. In everything, God gives you understanding through His Word. Drop down to... 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all. Notice this, able to, what's the word? Teach. 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 You must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. The believer is not concerned about justifying or vindicating himself he is serving god and serving others by his teaching in your life in your week you should have a group of people that you teach and you know how to study the bible because you teach them and you know how to do it let me remind you you don't you know this first off you have to observe the passage. you got a paragraph. you got a verse. you got a couple verses. You have a segment of the Bible you're studying. You have to observe the passage. What do the words mean? Second, you have to interpret the passage. Ask questions. Who, what, where, when, how, why, so what. Third, you've got to summarize the passage. You have to come up with what the passage is talking about, the key ideas. The key ideas. Fourth, you have to evaluate the passage. You look at the guiding principles, the timeless truths, the things that will always be true in that passage. And now, so you got these five things. A hypocrite might do them, but the last thing, number six, they won't do. Six, you have to apply the passage to your life. You have to apply the passage to your life. What are the truths in the passage that you're learning? What are the promises that you can claim in the passage? What are the attitudes and actions that you're to follow because of this passage? What, what How do you express what you've learned? Share it verbally with others. Write a poem about the passage. Write a hymn about the passage, write a letter or write a sermon about the passage, Uh, write a newspaper article, write a Facebook post (coughs) about the passage, draw or paint what you've learned in the passage, share your convictions and concerns with everyone you meet that week. So all of that you know because you're an above average congregation. That is how you're to teach the Word of God. You need to apply it to yourself, and then when you apply it to yourself, you're ready to teach that at work, teach that at home, teach that at uh, Saturday morning Bible study when there's, there's no teacher prepared, to be ready Wednesday night to share it, to teach we're to be constantly prepared to teach. If you don't like teaching the Bible, you gotta question whether or not you're a hypocrite. Here you go. Second thing you need to notice the control. What are the three desires that a hypocritical sinner must control? What are the three desires that a hypocritical sinner must control? Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 21. Romans chapter 2, verse 21. You, therefore, who teach another, do do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? Do you preach do not steal and then do you steal First first longing you got to control if you're a hypocrite You got to control your longing for things your longing for things material things important things anything that you value above God things You preach You proclaim, you herald the good news of Jesus Christ. You talk about stealing. The hypocritical sinner can do nothing but but be controlled by things. Because he's not controlled by the Holy Spirit. The hypocritical sinner is dishonest and has a way of showing it and considers it minor. When you do the same thing, he considers it major. And points the finger at you. Old Testament talked about robbery from God, stealing from God, and talked about offerings and tithes. How do you win? How do you win? How do I win? Isaiah 56 says, verse 11, And the dogs are greedy. They are not satisfied. And they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have turned to their own way Get this, each one to his unjust gain. His unjust gain. Believers are not to earn unjust gains. In your business, in your private life, if you are a hypocrite, you will get as much as you can materially and be happy. And matter of fact, your thinking will think that you're blessed by God because you're able to steal something. Isaiah teaches a believer does not earn unjust gain. Let me give you another verse. Ezekiel 22.12. Ezekiel 22.12. In you they have taken bribes to shed blood. You have taken interest and in profits. You have injured your neighbors who for gain by oppression. And you have forgotten me, God says. You have forgotten me. A believer is not to cheat in his business dealings, in his private life. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, talking about robbing God. Yet you are robbing me, but, I, but you say, How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you have cursed without a curse. <laughs> you have cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me. The whole nation of you are robbing me. A believer is not to cheat God in his offering. Not to cheat God in his offering. A hypocrite? It's like a yo-yo string. He puts something in the offering plate and whoop comes right back out. Right back into his hand. But a person, a believer, filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that he doesn't long for material things, gives joyfully into the offering plate when it comes by. Good thing we already had the offering plate, huh? <laughs> You've got to win. Romans chapter 2, verse 22. What's the second desire that a hypocritical, cripple, hypocritical sinner must control? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Let's take the first part of that. Number two. Lusting for pleasure. Lusting for pleasure. Do you desire something that does not belong to you? Do you commit adultery to voluntarily have sexual intercourse between a married person and a non-married person, non-spouse? Adultery comes from lust, not love. Adultery is selfishness. The... uh, Tolmud talks about rabbis who were good at adultery. Josephus, the Jewish historian, said it was a problem in the entire Jewish nation, adultery. I wonder what that historian would think about America. Don't get caught up with sexual sin. Don't get caught up lusting for pleasure. It will never, never satisfy you. It will never make you happy. How do I win? How do I win? Romans 13. Romans thirteen, thirteen. Let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual prosecuting, prosecuting in sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. We stay away from sexual immorality. We stay away from it. We stay away from it. In Concordia, I came in Tuesday morning, started working, and uh, I don't know what happened. I, I went on the server, and I was, I was checking my email or something, And all of a sudden, I had all these pornographic pictures come up on my computer. And I'm going, whoa, I didn't push that button. Secretary came in three hours later. and I said, what's going on with the computers? She said, I don't know. She went on her computer. All this pornography came up on her computer. So what's going on? Then we went to the server that both of our computers were connected to in the church photocopy room. And there was pornography on there. And we're going, what's going on? We realized that the door to the photocopy room was unlocked. And we had a wedding on Saturday. And somebody came up to the photocopy room and on the computer, decided to look up internet porn and it got on our computers. Now, can you imagine that? You are so controlled by lusting for pleasure that you're at a wedding and you got to see something supposedly to please you. Ah! That is being controlled by, quote-unquote, what you think is pleasure. You've got to understand, now, it used to be a man's sin, but now it's getting to be a, a, a female sin as well. You have to stay away from things that will corrupt your idea of pleasure. If you are having a problem with this kind of sin, you've got to talk to someone. You've got to talk to an elder. You've got to talk to a deacon. You've got to talk to somebody to get help. This is getting huge. Matthew 5.28 says, But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Looks at. The person increases his lust by looking. The desire and the deed are not identical, but the judgment will be the same for the desire and the deed. You wish to have something that you don't possess. Third. Third. Three desires that a hypocritical sinner must control. Third. Notice the end of the verse. You abhor idols, do you rob temples? Now you may think that's a weird thing, but abhor idols, you hate idols. You rob temples. Third, you're loving money. You're loving money. Jewish people claim to hate idols. They claim to be very strong with it. The word abhor means to feel like you're going to throw up. Uh, to be sick. The letter is dedicated to Rome, one of the leading places of idolatry worship. Do you rob temples? Rob temples, that's an interesting thing. Profits from goods stolen from temples were being sold, it seems like, from the, by the Jewish salesmen. And they were making money off of the temples. Dishonor is done to God because of their greed for money. They claim to detest idolatry and associate with the idols, but they're willing to sell their idols for a great profit to the Gentiles. Matter of fact, uh, Josephus the, came up with a... Uh, oh, where's it at? Oh my goodness, don't have it here. Josephus, I'm, I may get this wrong. Josephus wrote about a group of Jews in Rome who convinced a Gentile woman to give a great deal of money to the Jewish temple in Israel. Sounds like a good idea, right? Josephus said they didn't ever send the money to Israel. They got her in the trap, thinking that giving the money to the Jewish businessman. Will give the money to the temple and they put it in their pocket. It's when money becomes a God. It's when money becomes more than God. And when it's come become more than God, you got a clue, you're close to being a hypocrite. If not, already being a hypocrite. Here you go. How do I win? First John 5. First John five. Little children, guard yourself from idols. Guard yourself from idols. You're always to guard yourself from loving something more than God. Whatever it is, your car, your kids, your bank account, your 401k, whatever it is that can become, okay, yes, golf clubs, whatever it could be that will become more important than God, you have to watch out for. You can't guard yourself from idols and enjoy it and say that you're growing in your walk with God. You can't say it. Outside the church, worship of idols is everywhere. Every non-believer you'll meet this week worships idols. He doesn't know it that. He doesn't call them <laughs> idols. They may not sit on his front uh, countertop, but they have idols. Inside the church, these idols are fictional concepts of God. They make up things about God. Oh, my God would never do that. They claim things that are not in the Bible. Revelation 21, verse 8 says, The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, sorcerers, and idolaters will have their part in a lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Idolatry will put you right in the lake of fire. Only a redeemed person, controlled by the Holy Spirit, will not love money, will not love self-pleasure, will not long for things. You have to control these sins. You have to control them. And the only way to control them is with the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 23. You who boast in the law, though you're breaking the law, you dishonor God. You boast in the law, even though you break the law, you dishonor God. Here are the consequences. What are the consequences of being a hypocritical sinner? What are the consequences of being a hypocritical sinner? Number one, personally, you will not glorify God with your life. You will not glorify God with your life. A hypocrite sinner will not do things that pleases God. Even he does actions, he will not please God because God wants your heart. God wants your heart. You may boast in the law, you may be proud of your knowledge of the law, but it will not save you. Though you break the law, <laughs> you're boasting in the a man-made law, maybe. You made up a law and break God's divine law. But all you're doing is dishonoring God. You're not pleasing Him. Your transgression does not please God. Only by keeping the law do you please God. The law is the supreme gift God gave to the people of Israel. supreme gift He gives to you The ultimate reason why the Jews were given the law was so that their lives would bring honor and glory to God. How do you win? How do you win? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 10. Deuteronomy 30, verse 10. If you obey the Lord your God, keep His commandments and His statutes, which are written in this book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Heart and soul, you will please God. You'll please God. Then that's Old Testament. Let's go New Testament. Galatians chapter six verse two. Galatians chapter six verse two. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, you. Following the law of Christ, which is more detailed than the law of the Old Testament, you fulfill by loving one another. You love others. If you love others, you'll not be a hypocrite. A hypocrite does not care for other people, he cares for himself. You bear one another's burdens. The whole law is fulfilled by the concept of love. The whole law of Christ is fulfilled by the concept of love. You love God. Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 24. Chapter 2, verse 24. Romans, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Because of you, just as is written. What are the consequences of being a hypocritical sinner? You, being a hypocrite, personally will not glorify God. You can't do it. Everything you do comes up short. But you, publicly, will not fulfill your mission that God's given you to the world. You'll not fulfill God's mission that He's given you to the world. You will not do it. Therefore, the pastor gets up and says, Hey, this week you got to go up and talk to your neighbors. A hypocrite says the technical Greek term to that and will not do it. How do I win? How do I win? Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. The wrath of God is dealt with. Not by you doing things, not by you saying things, but by God' work through Christ. The wrath of God is dealt with by Christ. Believers are redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ does it. You don't. There is hope for everyone who has failed to keep the commands of the law perfectly, which is all of us. The deliverance and the payment, the redemption that comes is through the work of Jesus Christ. And by His work, we're redeemed. We're saved. Practical application. Will I correct (coughs) any hypocritical sins I may have in my life as I do my duty of teaching and here comes the E word and applying the word of God to my life and sharing with everyone I meet what God has taught me. That's life. That's ministry. That's preaching. That's teaching. You are correcting your sin, studying God's word, Applying God's word to your life and sharing with everyone you meet what God has done to you and taught you. A disobedient Jewish hypocrite sinner is no better than a Gentile wicked sinner from chapter 1. You are the same before God. The Gentiles failed to bring him glory by not obeying the revelation available to them by creation. The Jews failed to honor him by practicing the law that was given to them. They didn't do it. They didn't practice the law. The Gentiles rejected revelation. Gent- the Jews per- rejected the law. And both are guilty in sin. The Jewish sinner still hoped for deliverance through the law. The old covenant. But that covenant led them to more judgment. So we got a marker in 2 Timothy turn there 2 Timothy Now maybe you've been to this passage before 2 Timothy chapter 3 but I want to remind you once again Let's go through the list If you're if you have a Bible you can write in put a little x or a little check mark of the ones that you defeated last week. And let's go a circle for the ones that defeated you last week. Here you go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This may be familiar to some of you. But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. Three, boastful. 4. Arrogant. 5. Revilers. 6. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Unloving. Am I going too fast? I'll slow down. I'll, the tacos will wait. I'll go slower. Unholy. Unloving. Irreconcilable. Malicious gossips. Ooh, I'll wait for that one. Without self-control, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure. That's a source of all kinds of sins sexual immorality, fornication, adultery, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. In other words, you had no power this last week. That's because these sins controlled you more than God controlled you. Holy Spirit controls you, you have power. Avoid such men as these. Guy named Joseph Bailey. He wrote this. He said, Jesus warned his disciples, we must be beware of the hypocrisy, pretending to be something they aren't, asking as a mask covering our face. Hypocrisy is a terrible sign of trouble in our hearts. It waits only for a day of exposure. And then it's revealed. What is your heart doing? How is your heart before God? Let's pray. Father, thank You for this word on hypocrisy. It's the second week on it. Father, it's still tough. Still hard to hear. But Father, I pray that You would help us with these sins that come because of this world we live in. Help us, Father, to stay away from things that will become an idol more important than God in our lives. Help us, Father, to stay away from things in this list in Second Timothy 3. Help us stay away from these things, Father, because they will hurt us. Your Word writes to protect us. And I pray, Father, You'll keep us safe. Pray, Father, for the people in this room that may be a hypocrite and not controlled by the Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, they would accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. We pray, Father, that you would work in our church, that you would produce a pure light coming from this building so that folks around us will see and know that Jesus Christ is the only hope. Thank you, Father.